This is Nadia from the Relativity Podcast, and you're listening to Discussing Who. Why do I keep meeting you? Where am I? Where am I? The Dalek Asylum. There was a girl in a shipwreck, and she died saving my life. And she was you. Victorian London. There was a governess. She was really a barmaid. And she died. She was you. When you are a time traveler, there is one place you must never go. Where? This is the Doctor's greatest secret. And it is discovered. Sometimes it's like I've lived a thousand lives in a thousand places. I'm born, I live, I die. Jenko, you were right. He can't go there. You know he can't. I have a duty. You just said it's one place you must never go. Who are you? Doctor, what is your name? Okay, come on, quickly, Ray. Doctor! Clara! I'm about to cross my own timeline in the biggest way possible. The TARDIS doesn't like it. You thwarted me at every turn. Now I take my revenge. Die, reptile! What's happening? Come on, run! Run! Run, you clever boy. And remember... The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I am Kyle Jones, and I want to welcome back Shannon Perry. Shannon, how are you, my friend? I'm good. How are you, Kyle? Oh, pretty good. I can't complain. I'm going to review one of my favorite Doctor Who stories, so I am not complaining, but as always, happy to have you on. So welcome back. Thank you so much. Love being here. Awesome. Since this is going to settle the story of the impossible girl, I'm going to welcome back the impossible host, Clarence Brown. How are you, my friend? I am falling through all of time and space right now. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm doing good, man. Happy to be on with you guys to talk it out. And last, but definitely and certainly not least, Lee Shackelford. How are you, sir? Very well, indeed. Very well. Glad to be here with y'all, no matter what we're talking about, or even if it wasn't a momentous Doctor Who week. Yes, indeed. Well, you know, let's go back a few days, because on Friday, you started my day off quite well. But before I get into why <laughs> you started my day off quite well, I would like to say, in 2023... Inspiration for this podcast will be brought to you by the letters R T D. <laughs> when you need 60 and 14, call on R T D. You know, I had to be corny, I have to do it. But seriously, I was sitting in the doctor's office Friday morning, waiting on my three month checkup to get my <laughs> usual medications, right about the time that I'm like waiting on my doctor to walk in and back in the room. I'm looking down, I'm looking at Discord, I see Lee send a message, I look, I read Lee's message, I sit there for a second, (laughs) I get misty-eyed, I get, like, goosebumps, and I look up and then watch my doctor thinking, what in the heck is wrong with him? A strange person. (laughs) So why am I happy? Oh, because, because we, the the suspense is over, we've been wondering who the new showrunner of the show will be uh, starting in 2023, right? It's Russell T. Davis, um, who, and, and you know, many of our our friends um, are not big um, 
RTD fans. Um, and and that's cool. I I guess I would just say I was elated because if nothing else, he is the showrunner. He is the writer who who brought Doctor Who back to us. Um, he didn't do it by himself, obviously, <laughs> but there was, that was a big decision. But a lot of what sold us classic fans on the new series came from him, and a lot of what brought on millions, literally, of new Doctor Who fans came from his fertile and agile mind. So, yeah, I love him or hate him, but uh, he did he, he gave us the gift, and um, I, I personally have always been a fan, and I'm just delighted. So, that's from me. I'm curious. Shannon, what about you? Yay. Yay. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, my, you know, my knowledge of the show is so much more limited compared to you guys. But yeah, yay. Right? Yay. The, it, the show continues. The show is in good hands. So yay. Yay. I love yay. Clarence Brown, what about you? While I am happy that he's coming back, I think we should just take a step back and not put him on too high of a pedestal at this point. I almost feel like the world is so different now. Um, we're firmly in the council culture and it could be the fact that even if he does something that's remotely good, it's still going to be half backlash, half of the people thinking it's the best thing ever since sliced bread or whatever. So I just want to go in with caution. <laughs> I'm hopeful, hopeful, you know, optimism is, is on our side, but just, just going with caution because it might not be the, the, the great thing we're all expecting mm -hmm. it, it to be. I'm sure it will be mm -hmm. to us, but you know, half of the people are going to hate it no, yeah. no matter what. It's, it's a different era. Well, you're right, because in 2005, there were no Facebooks. There were no Twitters. There were no Instagram. There was no instant gratification like we have now. And <laughs> none of us had a podcast at that time. There was not even a pod shock, really, at it's that time. It's just getting you know, started. When... Yeah. Russell mm -hmm. T. Davis, if not, if Podshock had started, it was just getting started, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. So, very valid point. And yes, Clarence, you're right. Sometimes you can't go home again. And sometimes you can't have magic in a bottle twice. But I go back to what I said to you last night, which was, this made me feel excited about Doctor Who, the future of Doctor Who, for the first time in years. And this is this is the result of Chibnall. I'll just come out and say it, but it's no fault of Jodie Whittaker or the other actors. And I know I keep saying that, but I'm excited for Doctor Who again. And I'm ex I feel like I don't have to apologize for <laughs> whatever the whatever's. Are there sure. going to be people that are not going to like it? Right. But Lee, I think you said it perfectly in what you said. It captured old fans it introduced to new fans if he can spark just that excitement again woohoo kudos do you think that is in fact why the beeb has made this choice is it clear to them that somebody needs to work the magic again and he's the man do you think that's it because you we've talked on this show before about whether or not Doctor Who fandom is dying and that this, the pandemic and Chris Chibnall and Wadduda, it's just sort of strangling the fandom to death. If, if the BBC is aware of that, 
it's time to somebody to work the magic again. And who better? Do you, do you think that's sort of what they were thinking? Shannon, what do you think? Uh, wow, I think it depends a lot on who the next doctor is. I mean, part Boy, of my concern, yeah, and part of my concern is pretty much precisely what you said was he's the man. And I just I worry about the weight of so much of this landing on Jodie Whittaker and I just mm-hmm. she is an absolutely charming doctor. I love her as the doctor and it just kills me that she got placed with a showrunner that wasn't perhaps the best choice. Now, I don't dislike Chibnall the way I think you guys do, (laughs) certainly the way Kyle does. I've been okay with a lot of the stories. Now, granted, I don't watch them quite as microscopically as you guys do. Uh, So I'm not, I I don't feel bad about the time that she has spent as the doctor even, or that Chibnall has spent on the show. But man, I just, I, I will hate it if everybody's like, oh, we love the doctor again. And it's all because we got rid of Jodie Whittaker. Yeah. Right. That's what that's what scares me. Yeah, Clarence, I, what about you? I don't I don't think any I wouldn't I hope people would not blame Jodie Whittaker because I think this, I hope so too. I think this group clearly thinks she's fabulous. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But but I yeah. am kind of scared of that, and I keep bringing up. Well, I'd like to bring up George Lucas as somebody that came back to the franchise. You know, our savior is coming back to make more Star Wars, mm-hmm. but. You know, if you kind of picked apart the original three, you know, maybe the dialogue wasn't the best and he brought that hey. over to the prequels and, you know, they're great movies. Get, don't get me wrong, but um, yeah. we, we tend to look over the the bad parts of a creator when we're just looking for that, that hype train, you know, over 9,000 <laughs> to, to come back and, totally. and save us, which, you know, I'm, I'm ready for it. But again, cautiously ready. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, I will go back and say something I think I said on my mini episode, and which that should say <laughs> something in itself. I have never done an episode by myself, and I was so freaking. You couldn't good. wait. I could not wait <laughs> until was, Tuesday. He was, I was still like, on the gas minute, from the dentist. Yes. Yeah. It was like, I'm just going to get on and give my thoughts because I'm this excited. And again, that's what I'm talking about as far as excitement. I loved Broadchurch, and I know I'm a broken record. I loved Broadchurch. I loved his work there. I loved that mini thing that Jodie Whittaker did at the beginning of the pandemic that felt more doctor than anything Chibnall has done. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I just want excitement back. I don't care if his initials are DTR or RTD or, (laughs) or... Michael Moffat or whoever, Stephen Moffat or whatever. Mm. I just want some excitement because I want us to be sitting here 10 years from now, still watching Doctor Who, whoever the Mm. showrunner is. And if RTD can bring that and keep it going in the consciousness, more power to it. Can I ask a quick question? Please do. Who was showrunner when the unicorn and the wasp was done? (laughs) R-T-D. Okay, so uh, I will always have a little bit of a bone to pick with him. <laughs> but you love that, don't you? And I'm pointing at Lee. That's one of your favorites, isn't it? It is. Well, it's, uh, oh, yeah. Really? We need to yeah. take this offline and talk about that. <laughs> right. It's, it's very unusual for Shannon and, and me to disagree about something. but yeah. it's Which it just it, usually means Lee hasn't talked me around to it yet. <laughs> no, yet. it's just... And, and, and a lot of my reasons for loving that episode are purely sentimental. They... Yeah, maybe as an episode, but anyway. Um, <laughs> lifetime crush on Felicity Kindle, for one thing. Fair. And um, 
Um, yeah. And it's got Agatha Christie in it as a character. And it just, anyway. Anyway. So, (laughs) (laughs) real quick before we move on, uh, a lot of people, again, internet era, they, they complain about the show being so progressive. And there was a statement I read from, from RTD talking about how, and think about his era, era. He was very progressive if you think about what happened during his era. So, um, yeah, I think those people are still going to be mad. <laughs> yeah. And they, as well, they should be. Because <laughs> yeah. RTD is, is going to bring it back. I love it. More Jack Harkness. Well, maybe not. But <laughs> yeah, he also gave us our, our pansexual superhero. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they're, they're thinking this has happened in the, the Jodie Whittaker era. Yeah, you like, what you know? and, they're, and they're not fans of the classic series. If you go back into. Andrew Cartmel's time when they were just knives out about Maggie Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> like, yeah. No, no. The, the the political angle of the show is not even new. back to the Green Death yeah. and the, and the Third Doctor's era. Exactly. Yes. So, oh yeah. They, you know? They've always been very pro environment and yeah. But you know, I, just just uh, yesterday I saw the same kind of thing of people who are just not informed but want to complain about something anyway. They were talking about the announcement of um, part of uh, phase four of the MCU. And they were saying about the, the announcement of a She-Hulk movie. And they said, oh, really? Now even the Hulk is going to be a woman? Has everybody got to be female now? Not realizing it's a different character. You do know that She-Hulk <laughs> has been around for, yeah, yeah. what, 50 years? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> Oh, how, wow, can they, that... how can anyone complain about Tatiana Maslany in the MCU? Come on. Come on. <laughs> exactly. Jeez. How, how can you uh, complain about Jennifer Walters, who could, you know, is awesome as a character? Well, right. Yeah. But but that is another podcast altogether. <laughs> it's another podcast. Yes. But if you're interested in that kind of thing, yeah. Part of the Discussing Network. <laughs> Tune into Discussing, discussing comics. comics and hear Kyle and Clarence <laughs> and talk about. Why well, sometimes, yeah. Awesome. I'll get on there to talk about how stupid it is to not know who Jennifer Walters is. Okay. There you go. But onward. At least you know the name <laughs> of Jennifer Walters. That's right. You do. She is the She Hulk. That is the name mm-hmm. of the She Hulk, Jennifer Walters. Mm-hmm. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about <laughs> not this the name the name of the doctor. So that means it's time for me to say. He really is king of transitions, isn't he? <laughs> it's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift, it's a gift that keeps yeah. on giving. All right. So yeah. if you have not seen, not if you've not heard the name of the doctor, because hopefully you will have never heard and will never hear the name of the doctor. But if you have not seen the name of the doctor, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. Spoilers? What spoilers? And I killed Sparky too. <laughs> Alrighty, the spoiler warning has gone out, and we are back to review the name of the Doctor. This was the 13th and final episode of the 2012 2013 series of Doctor Who, first airing on the 18th of May 2013. It starred Alex Kingston as Professor Rivers Song and featured Matt Smith as the 11th Doctor, Jenna Coleman as Clara Oswald, along with the returning Neve McIntosh, 
Katrin Stewart, and Dan Starkey as Vastra, Jenny, and Strax. It is worth noting the return of Richard E. Grant as the Great Intelligence and the introduction of John Hurt as the Doctor. Finally, this story begins the four-part 50th anniversary celebration that continues with the night, day, and concludes with the time of the Doctor. So, summary view, and you know what, Clarence, since this tells us the story of the impossible girl, what say you? What did you think? Of course, I love this episode. It's one of those big, huge tentpole episodes you think of when you think of Doctor Who. Nonstop, end-to-end fun. I do find the plot sort of confusing because I've mentioned before I hate the whole Doctor's name thing. It just gets on my nerves. But there's a reason here, of course. And even though I still find it somewhat confusing, maybe you guys can talk me down. But I I, I, I love the episode. It's just... um, they go for it at every point and I think they pull it off in, in spectacular fashion. I I really enjoy this episode. I there's a there's a lot to love about it. There are some clunky CGI moments that are you just kinda go you know. <laughs> <laughs> but at least it's not a rubber face monster anymore. <laughs> but uh yeah, I no, I think this episode is lovely and I love the music. So no. uh and I have you to thank for that, Kyle, because you've got me actually paying attention to the music now, oh, cool. which I didn't used to do. Cool. Cool. Lee Shackelford, what say you? It's okay, I guess. Um, <laughs> no, I enjoyed it quite a lot. Um, it's, I, I'm with Clarence about the name of the Doctor thing, so I remember that I winced inwardly when I first saw the episode's name. Like, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be 45 minutes of this! What a roller coaster. What uh is there, is there an episode that has a bigger scale? Before Day of the Doctor? I mean... Maybe not. Can you think of another story where, yeah, things just seem so huge? We have a, we have a skyscraper-sized TARDIS and, and the heartbreaking explanation of why it's like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just big ideas everywhere. Um, watching it again, I was thinking, if I were a writer... If, I, if, if this was my job to write this episode, I think I would sit down and think about what... What are the tools in my toolbox? What have I got that I can pull on here? River song. Oh, she's dead. No, no. <laughs> she is stored in the library. Oh, okay. Uh, hmm. <laughs> could we start with, um, the Paternoster gang again? Can oh, we, how can we, can we bring them? all three of them into that? Yeah. Okay. We've got them. God, the doctor got Claire. We can like, you know, just start moving them around like, like chessmen and mm-hmm. yeah. And then manage yes, to yeah, do I it in do a this. way that it yeah. just flows to me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I got to make it all make sense. Yeah. So. And then hats off. And then put hats in off. an ending that no one sees coming. Literally. You know, we'll get. Yeah, to- that's right. Knowing that part of my job is this has got to tail right into the the fiftieth anniversary. Yes. Special, mm-hmm. which is going to be very special indeed. So. Yes. Big job. Big job. So I love this. I mean, obviously, I love this. This is one of the first ones that I was able to, and yes, I know you're not supposed to text on your iPhone and whatever, blah, blah, blah. I didn't text on my iPhone. I literally would go back and forth to work and like Bluetooth it to my vehicle and watch this episode back and forth to work whenever it was on. Seriously. I mean, this is how I'm able to like, you know, watch it in my head because I've literally 
seen this episode probably more than I have seen A Good Man Goes to War, Silence in the Library, um, Angels Take Manhattan. I've seen this one so many times. It's not even funny. That said, I love this episode <laughs> from start <laughs> to finish. Uh, there is nothing I don't like about this episode. Yes, Shannon, you're right. There is some cheesy uh, special effects, but I love the cheese. I'm here for it. You know, make me a cheese <laughs> sandwich. I'm here for it because <laughs> I absolutely love this. But a quick question. Yes. What, what town is this that you're driving around in? <laughs> <laughs> this was back, back in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, in 2013. Okay. And, and it doesn't now, exist anymore. No, not yeah, now. I'm gonna not say, now. We're, yeah. I kept knocking the buildings yeah. down. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, just remind me to not to, to stay off the streets. And, it was back roads, but yeah. anyway, you know, was, you know, that was, you know, I'm not going back in the past, and you know, nobody can get me now, so. Whatever. That's right. <laughs> uh, stipulations have, you know, statutes or whatever. But right. um, anyway, let's go back, since that was a short time ago, let's go back to a long time ago on Gallifrey. And Lee, I'll start with you. We opened this episode in a repair shop. And it says a long time ago on Gallifrey. What, That's what it says. What were your thoughts seeing this opening scene and, and watching it again this week i remember always being confused by it because there aren't any reference points to tell us that these people in the it, it, it didn't look like gallifrey to me you know we've seen we've seen enough gallifrey in the classic series of hints over the years so i didn't quite know what that was and then of course when we when we see the uh the tt40s they're in their uh, uh uncamouflage mode so we don't know what they are either so it's it's a little disorienting does that does that make sense mm -hmm. yes until somebody says tardis setting a lot of us classic nerds saying now how would they know the word tardis when the girl who's just going into one is the one who's going to coin the word but, but but remember we we answered that for ourselves on a recent episode well, i know we, we said she came up with that a long time ago yes but we we have to have that explanation, otherwise it makes no sense. So so help help us uh layman folks out here who coined TARDIS in Well TARDIS Susan. Uh, uh Susan says in Unearthly Child, she's explaining to Ian and Barbara why she and grandfather keep calling it TARDIS. She says, Oh, I made up the name TARDIS. She made it it stands up. for time yeah, time and relative dimension in mm. space. So then here are these people on Gallifrey, they're calling it Tardis. But she didn't say when. She was on. Yes. She could have made up the name well before. Before, they before she was ever in a Type was. 1 machine. The ship. Right. Type 1 ship. Yes. There. Yeah, she, a, she worked at the facility. 40. That's how she was able to sneak there aboard. <laughs> there you go. There you go. She's the one who had the keys. I got it. There you go. Yeah. But, yeah, it, but it's... I remember being delighted by them using this... Uh, this footage from another episode of them going into a door somewhere and then sort of rejiggering it optically. So it looks like they're getting into a, one of the old TT-40s. It's, it's a lovely idea. It will bug me later on when it's got the impossible girl in it, but we'll come back <laughs> yes. to that. Yeah, that bugs me too, but we'll come back. Okay. All right, Clarence, what about you? What did you think of this opening, seeing the first doctor? It definitely throws you in there. Um, 
my biggest question is going to be what what Lee just said. Like, I wonder how the classic lovers are going to take it. For me, you know, it didn't bother me. I thought it was awesome, of course. And just seeing the the pivotal moment that kind of kicked everything off, you know, I just thought it was a, a fantastic visual. And and I will say, I know we're going to get into more of the CG, but for when did when did it, what year did this come out? Twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen. Yeah. Uh, it's just hard when you're taking classic footage and trying to uh, update it because they did make it color as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yeah, that's just mm-hmm. a hard job. But but overall, I think I like the scene. All right. Shannon, what about you? I think it worked well. And, you know, I, I was a classic Who fan uh, as a kid. So it's it's jarring to see her in there <laughs> and to be part of these things that I've seen without her. <laughs> but uh, I, I, to be honest, I think if it, if it had been almost any other companion, it would not have worked for some reason. Mm. It works okay with Clara. And I don't exactly know why, maybe because they've made her a little ethereal, a little, you know, they've done a great job mm. leading up to this in the story, but also there's something about the actress and the character that also works very well. And like I said, I don't, I don't know that Billy Piper showing up all over <laughs> the time stream would have worked for me as much as I love Rose. She's mm-hmm. a great actor and a great character, but it wouldn't have worked, yeah. it, but it works okay with Clara. And I'm, I'm not entirely sure why. Well, and thank God we'll never see Billy Piper in this again. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, not a fan. You're off the hook. Yeah. <laughs> no, mean, I'm just you know, playing with the spoilers. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, to quote the doctor, I, I wouldn't mind if we were to see Billy Piper again. I would probably say that it would be not a moment too soon. Mm. Just say if she was playing a different character. Yeah, yeah. you know, but you know, <laughs> yeah. maybe just but, a, like but one just moment, for a moment, just for a moment, just for a just just for a quick moment, not a long maybe time. This has, not just a maybe moment. this explains. <laughs> All right, you guys, <laughs> just a moment. <laughs> we got. It. Maybe this explains the TARDIS's mixed feelings about Clara. Clara, uh-huh. maybe so. Okay, I like it. Maybe so. Old grudges oh. or something. I don't know. Maybe so. She liked her in mm-hmm. some. Pieces of the timeline and didn't like her in others. Well, and that helps actually to to explain the um, the thing that that I, Clarence and I had talked about this before. We were quibbling about the fact that um, in this telling of the story, uh, taking this TARDIS is Clara's idea, and we already know in canon. Thank you. <laughs> that it was the TARDIS's idea that she chose him, yeah. and I love that. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to, I don't want this to come and overwrite uh, the doctor's wife, right. but right. maybe it's both, and that's part of the TARDIS's ambivalence about Clara. The TARDIS is saying, "Damn it, that was my idea." Mm-hmm. Also, I think you have the problem of the chicken and egg, which came first. Clara is telling him to take that TARDIS because she knows that TARDIS is his TARDIS. So mm-hmm. technically. It still chose yes. it. So, the, the way well, time. This is, <laughs> this is one of the great <laughs> ontological time travel episodes because it has this crisis. So she sets the doctor off on his journey, and without the doctor's journey, she can't be the impossible girl. And so she wouldn't have gone back in time to start him off on the journey that makes her the impossible girl, so that she can go back and 
So yes. at that time in the Time Lord history, I would assume that they were even more uptight and strict than they were in the Fourth Doctor's era. And we specifically know that in the Fourth Doctor's era, the Doctor could not take Sarah Jane back to Gallifrey because, mm-hmm. you know, humans aren't allowed on Gallifrey. So does that <laughs> say that this version of Clara is a Gallifreyan? Is she a Time Lord? Well, what is she doing there? You know, how is she doing? How, yeah, how is she there? Yes. Because they've they've appointed another costume for her yes. in that one shot. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. So let's sure. so while we're talking about Clara <laughs> and the costumes, let's progress further to talk about I was born to save the doctor. And we see her in all these different timelines and time streams with different doctors and different get-ups and looks. And I'll go ahead and take it first. I thought they did an excellent job of dating her based on what doctor she's interacting with. She looked like she was straight out of the 60s, the 80s, the 70s, the whenever doctor that she's with. So my question is, and Shannon, I'll point to you first, what did you think of seeing her scattered apart? And what were you thinking at that point before knowing how it resolves? What did you think was going on at that point? Uh, Well, to be completely honest and forthright, I was not paying attention to Clara at that point. (laughs) I was trying to glimpse all the doctors to see how close they got the faces and the costumes and the, you know, so I really wasn't paying a whole lot of attention to Clara. Uh, I'm always on the lookout for Peter Davison, to be quite honest. (laughs) That's more where my attention was focused. Awesome. And you got him suspended in the Matrix, so he's not even... But her demeanor even changed a little bit, I think, in some of them, as if she is a somewhat different person in these different parts of his history the thing that's interesting to me is are these all the same clara are these different claras and she says i'm born i live i die so are we to assume that there is a history that each of these characters has that is independent of all the others i took it as that and i think that's where the story falls apart though like if she's human, I mean, go back to what Lee just said. How was she? Was she born on Gallifrey, and how did she get there? To, you know, I know that she's falling through his time stream, but if she's right. if she lives like a full life, like how does that even work? I mean, we, well, and uh, she does say that sometimes he knows she's there, yeah. and sometimes he he doesn't. So, is she traveling mm-hmm. with him at certain points that we don't mm-hmm. that we don't no. know about <laughs> that we just don't see in that doctor's. And whenever he runs into her, whenever he needs saving, when he encounters her, she's the same age. Uh, Oh, interesting. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) I have to go in there, but the real you will die. (laughs) But you've already seen me do it. But if you go in there, you'll be... um, You'll be torn to ribbons, a million versions of you living and dying all over creation. But the real you will die. So... That kind of does that explain it? That it says if you go into the time stream, it'll rip you apart. Copies, and, yeah. And it copies kind of, mil- millions okay. of versions of you living and dying all over creation. The real you will mm-hmm. die. But I have to do it to save him. Mm-hmm. F- from that, I mean, River said it. I mean, what right, else do we need? Does the does mm-hmm. the death of this one Clara negate the reality of the others? You know, yeah. she says the real you, which means basically 
this version. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the prime. But all the others are yeah. equally real, right? I, I would take yeah. In their own mind. Well, we saw we saw Souffle Girl, and she saved them in the Dalek Asylum. He gave mm-hmm. the key to the the Victorian Clara, and we thought she was going to be the companion, and then she died. Maybe they really were echoes, and they all and you know they were women that were her that were living and dying all over creation. So. Except they didn't have her memories. (laughs) Right. Yeah, now she knows. Yes. I'm so confused. Because she... I've never never thought before about this uh, as this about... (laughs) I've never thought before about this as the story where Clara dies. But it is. Well... She says this is where my story ends, ends, right? Right. Yeah. She's dead. Right. Well, except that that who gets... (laughs) who, Who walks away with the doctor at the very end? Well, right. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. I have the answer. I have the answer. I have the answer. Oh, good for you. One more thing, isn't there always? I was mentally linked with Clara. If she's really dead, then how can I still be here? Okay. How? Spoilers. Goodbye. And then she fades. Spoilers. Yes. But it's pretty much she was stuck in his time stream. The real Clara was stuck in his time stream. That's when he went in at the end to get her. Because she's the recipe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the souffle isn't the souffle. It's like my mom always says. The souffle wasn't the souffle. The souffle is the recipe. All right. Well, fair enough. Okay. There you go. Time stuff just hurts my brain. (laughs) No. It's... it's. I think what happens to Clara here is very much like the Star Trek transporter, which many of us have come to refer to as the suicide machine. <laughs> because it does destroy you completely. And then it Recreates. creates, on the other end, it creates somebody on the other end who thinks they're you. <laughs> or they're very, very small and taste faintly of chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All these things can happen. Well, maybe we just all need to jump on a conference call and uh, discuss it, maybe, which is the next thing I want to talk about. And particularly, time travel has always been possible in dreams. And I want to point this to the two writers in the room, our virtual room that we've got going on. And that is... Do we know any other story outside of this Doctor Who story that features time travel through dreams? And Lee, I want to start with you. Is that something you've heard of? I think it's awesome. And and maybe I'm Mm -hmm. just not aware, but are you aware of this being used in other places? Well, I think the experience that a lot of people have is of, I mean, one of the, the persistent nightmares that I know people have is that they are in school. I mean, even if you're as old and withered as I am, and then suddenly you're in high school or college and you're, and you have not studied for the exam that's being placed before you. And, you know, the clock is ticking and you've got to take this exam somehow. So yeah, you, you were 17 in your dream, 16, 15. Mm, okay. You know? All right. Um, so we know that happens. Um, the book and film Somewhere in Time also involves um, someone 
being able to travel through time through hypnosis. And it places him in a dream state so that he's able to leave his to leave his time. Ah, okay. All right. Another story with an ontological paradox, because uh, part of his, his connection to the woman that he loved, who lives 100 years earlier, is a pocket watch. But when he goes back in time, he gives it to her. So she, he gives it to her in the first place, and then she gives it to him. So we're... <sighs> <laughs> anyway, the universe apparently made a pocket watch for the sake of their story. Anyway, that's another one of those things. But um, that's what I'm thinking of. What are you thinking of, Shat- Raggedy Angst? Yes. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Of course, as soon as you ask me this question, my mind goes entirely blank. But because I think of dreams as usually being traveling through space as opposed to, you know, meeting mm. up with someone, either someone who's on the other side of the world or who's, you know, passed on. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think of it as being necessarily a, a traveling in time in any sort of science fictiony sense. I think what Lee says about, you know, we all travel in time because we go back to high school. And, and I still remember my seventh grade locker combination, by the way. Oh, wow. Uh, sure. You know, <laughs> that I mean, that that makes a lot of sense. So I'm sure it's been done in 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 story before, but. Of course, I can't pull up anything right now. I will let you know at 3 a.m. when I wake up (laughs) shouting it, you know. You know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, Clarence, what did you think of it as a concept? Did you like it? Enjoy it? Just. (sighs) I don't know if I can offer much other than it worked for the sake of the story. (laughs) And I like it. It's a very convenient way to get the characters together. Yes, it (laughs) is. It is. It kind of makes you wonder why they haven't done this before. Yeah. Right. (laughs) But and, and in all honesty, I think you said the perfect thing, Clarence, which was it worked. It was not some technological mumbo jumbo that they explain. It was a little mysticism ishy kind of. And mm-hmm. it was cool letting all these characters that was one is saved digitally in a library somewhere in the mm-hmm. future. Uh, dawn of time lizard person from the 1800s. And Clara in present day, it just worked. And how cool is it that it's apparently a Silurian thing? That Vaster's the one who knows how to do it. Mm, even better. Yeah. Yeah. And she sends Clara the candle that she needs to light, but then <laughs> sort of as an afterthought, oh yeah, and the contents of the envelope will work too. <laughs> Clara just goes, she goes cross-eyed first which is brilliant i wish i could do that what i want (laughs) now is for one of the kids to pick up that crayon the the candle that she dropped and be like oh what's this awesome Uh, you know and suddenly find themselves at you know having tea with a lizard (laughs) right (laughs) and a mr potato head they've already seen they've already seen it all yeah, can I just ask though about the scene at the very beginning where she's and I know that Vaster does this a lot, but she's out at the jail. She's at the prison trying to you know talking to this guy and she has that veil over her head. How dark does she think that veil is? Yeah. We can like, see it. Ah, you're a lizard. <laughs> That is not really Phantom of the Opera working for me there, gal. Yeah. <laughs> so I <laughs> That reminds I me did, that. Did, 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 do we all catch who, what that guy's name is? Clarence. Clarence. That's Clarence. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Clarence. When he said when she says you've killed 14 women, I thought, "Oh, this is Jack the Ripper." Ooh, That's Clarence who I was DeMarco. thinking it was going to be, but yeah. She, she already had him. Yeah. She yeah, she ate him. If I ah. remember correctly. <laughs> 
<laughs> so we we are to assume that the great intelligence planted this information in him to get this ball rolling, I guess. Yeah, there was a um, one of the the, the, the uh, Tardisodes, one of the mini featurettes that shows the Whispermen coming to him and uh, and showing him the the space time coordinates, and they they give it to him as a curse. Mm. And what's interesting is I was looking at him for the first time this time, thinking, "Is that Richard E. Grant in makeup?" And it's not, but it looked mm. like. For just a minute that, okay, is this another Richard E. Grant, uh, you know, variation that we're seeing? But it will be, I'm just going to keep on this theme. Um, it's, it will be no secret that I will go on to the next thing that I want to talk about, which is the doctor's secret. And it was discovered. What did you think of the doctor's secret? Clarence, I'm going to start with you. He's like, oh, why did you ask me? I, I think that's cool. I think that's cool. You know, a time travel, traveler never wants to go to the place where he think he's going to die. I think that's just a great concept. And of course, you would avoid that at all costs. So I really love that. I think it still I think it was a little convoluted on how we got to that point, you know, because they used the name to get to the Trenzalore reference. I, it just felt kind of clunky to me. I mean, it worked, but, but yeah, I really love the concept of, of, of going to Trenzalore and all of the awesome visuals we get while we're there. So mm-hmm. I thought that mm-hmm. just worked great for the story. Mm-hmm. All right. Lee, what did you think of this revelation of the doctor's secret and how they assumed it and then changed it like Clarence just said? Moffat has taken the care to seed this along. We keep talking about Trenzalor. And so that it, it goes off like a bomb when we hear it again this time. And, and we know we're, we're actually going this time. Wow. Haven't we been told 10 times that you can't go there? <laughs> yeah, we're going anyway. Yeah. And for me, I, you, we were talking just recently about how I, I always love it whenever we see the TARDIS uh, acting like an airplane or a spaceship. I always love it when it's, when it's in an atmosphere. So this business of the target falling like a meteor is just uh, to me that's worth the whole episode yeah. <laughs> especially when it smacks the ground and it's and the edges are still glowing they glow red and then they yes. cool down so i want to change this just a little bit as i give it to shannon which is we know that there was a secret we know it was discovered but i want to talk about when the doctor and specifically matt smith does his thing that he's doing when he's sitting on the couch and she's talking about you know it's oh it's Trenzalore and you see his response and the music that's going behind which that is called a secret he will take to his grave mm-hmm. thoughts the music was beautiful like it's it's a it's a wonderful little moment that whole scene the only thing is and I literally wrote this on my little piece of cheat sheet paper here why does Trenzalore make him cry I mean, I kind of, I kind of get it, but it's so brief, and he's he does it wonderfully. Like he he, it's so emotional, and you're just like, oh god, you just <laughs> want to hug him. He's so sweet, but I don't understand why he cries. I still know, and then he's over it. Mm. Is he hearing the music I'm hearing? Because that music, that music alone will <laughs> yes. make me cry, yeah. quite frankly. So maybe he's just hearing the backdrop music. But why does it make him cry? And here's the here's the other question I have. Is Trenzalore where he's going to die? 
Or is it where he's buried? Or is it both? Okay, gentlemen, take it away. Because I have, I have thoughts, but I want to hear what you guys think. When we look down and see the planet and it looks like hell, what did you think I did? Retire? You know, paint watercolors? Keep bees? Sherlock Holmes referenced that. And he says, no, apparently not. So I think this is where he's supposed to die. And be buried. Something happens there. It's that still an actuality? Somewhere in the distant future? Yeah, since they do walk away from it at the end of this. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that why he cries? Yeah. Is because he thinks he's going there to die? I assume so. And, you know, now that you say that, I think that also means he's lost. You know, he's been fighting this, this battle and he's, he lost. So like Lee said, they, being Stephen Moffat, has done a great job of seeding this word Trenzalore and the fall of the 11th as far back as the finale of series six, where, you know, it's all waiting for you, doctor, on the fields of Trenzalore at the fall of the 11th, blah, 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 blah. Um, so we know at that point that he knows something is coming. If we know the Doctor is a character, even if that was the first time he's looked up the word Trenzalore, he's going to have searched Trenzalore and to finally have someone say back to him, for no apparent reason, Trenzalore. And let's look at it to answer Shannon's question. Look at it from the Doctor's perspective. He knows something that we as a audience does not yet know, which is the Time Lords have 12 regeneration cycles. If you add in who we meet in this particular story and you do the numbering from one regeneration to him, he is on his final, he may be the 11th, but for his point of view, he is the final incarnation, meaning when he dies, he dies. So, Yes, he goes to Trenzalore, and yes, he, and I think his his point of view is, I will die. So you're saying he had knowledge that this would be his last regeneration at this point? I think he did. But mm-hmm. I thought the, the war doctor was not known to anyone. I, I, didn't, I thought he didn't know that either. I took it, and maybe I'm wrong here, I took it as... You hit it so deep. You still, you just n- said, I'll never talk about him to anyone. Ninth Doctor yeah. became, instead of. We'll never talk about him. Yeah. Right. Ninth hmm. Doctor. And you forgot him so much, per se, that you went from eight to John Hurt, War Doctor, to the ninth Doctor. You, you even, you know, you didn't even consider him a doctor. So. That's that's how, but he still knew that he was on his final regeneration or final incarnation, whatever. That's how I took it. Yeah, this this episode actually introduces the the fudge that we're going to do to work a doctor in between eight and nine, because it ends with the doctor saying, "Well, she she Clara says of the man that they see, uh, who is he? And he's, he's me. He's the only me here. That's the point. Now let's go back. I said he was me. I never said he was the doctor." Mm. Look, my name, my real name, that's not the point. The name I chose is the Doctor. It's a promise you make. He's the one who broke the promise. What I did, I did without choice. (laughs) Go for it. Do it. No, 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 no. Do it. What comes after that? 
What I did, I did without choice. I did it for peace and sanity. Sanity, there you go. What I did, I did without choice. I know. In the name of peace and sanity. But not in the name of the doctor. But not in the name of the doctor. Bum, 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 bum. Yes. <laughs> Returning, N- November the 23rd. Bah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, let me say this really, really quick about the music. One, there are two other tracks that are in there called Trenzalore and another one called Remember Me that I just think are beautiful. I will go back to a secret he will take to his grave when we talk about the time of the doctor. This is another reason why Murray Gold is gold standard when it comes to Doctor Who. The hauntingness, the beautiful music, it just, it tells the story without words. And it's just awesome. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's operatic when it needs to be. And I, I just think glorious. Yeah. When we, to take us back to the beginning of the episode, we're, we're parting company with Jody Whittaker and Chris Chibnall. Might we be parting ways with Segan Akinola as well? Nothing against Segan, but Lord, how I miss Mary Gold. <laughs> so, at least that, that cinematic scoring like this, but that's become so Doctor Who to me. That I just, I, I think that's one of the things that, that doesn't click with us about uh, the current documents. <laughs> We're missing the music. And... Mm-hmm. Thoughts from before I give my two cents. <laughs> I mean, it probably needs to happen unless he can be coached to give us something that's reminiscent of the sound we had before. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that each of the scores, I know, well, from the productions I know about, has to be signed off on by the showrunner. So maybe a, mm-hmm. a direction that's maybe a little bit more clear can kind of push things back in the right direction. But but have to have Mary go back would be the probably the, be the preferred thing for everyone. Mm-hmm. Shannon, I'm sure Akinola is like yeah. any other artist. I mean, the last thing you want is to be told, do it like the other guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nobody <laughs> wants to hear that. But in so. this case... <clears throat> but, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have to agree. Like his music is just beautiful. Murray Gold's music is beautiful, and on the rare occasion when I'm actually paying attention to it, it's because it's Murray Gold. So, you know, I think I'm going to stay with what Clarence said because I have made myself go back and listen to some of his tracks, particularly the one that's the twelfth Doctor theme, and I think he is an awesome composer. There, the. Twelfth, I mean, excuse me. The thirteenth Doctor's theme is really swell. You know, there's there. It has its moments, but I think, unfortunately, I think he's been kind of like Jody was. He wasn't given the ability to do all that he could do, in my opinion. Maybe so. Yeah. You know, and that's sad on his part because I don't want him to go out with a bad taste or people to have a bad taste because. The music itself, if you listen to it, it's really pretty. It's just mm-hmm. not what we're used to. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. You know, 
that yeah. we would need a greater intelligence than us to figure that out. <laughs> and, and, and just to hit on the other franchise we talk about all the time with Star Trek, and you have the new the new iteration of the uh, Kurtzman Trek now. But um, Jeff Russo, which is the composer who does all the music now, he is like a disciple of. I can't name the composers, but all the previous Trek composers, he mm-hmm. he like loves them and studies them, like with a, with a fine tooth comb. And he's like, if, if you listen to the stuff he does now, you would very much say it's in that same vein for the most part, because he's like just a, a disciple of, of those previous composers that came before him. So that, I mean, <laughs> that. I was just going to say, who's to say? It's like what we were saying that Aganola wasn't told. Do not be Murray Gold. Give us something that's sure, you know, completely different. Mm-hmm. And well, oh, that yep. was his ask. And he, mm-hmm. as a composer, did maybe what he was asked. Mm-hmm. You know, if he went back and said, no, Mr. Whoever or Mrs. Whoever, I don't like, I think it needs to be this. Well, they're going to say, probably well, we hired you to do this, and you don't want to do that, we'll get someone else. Maybe. That is how it works. So let's go ahead and jump up to the entering the time stream, and I want to combine this into two parts. We have the great intelligence that enters to destroy, and we have Clara who goes to resolve and rectify and restore. What are your thoughts about entering the doctor's time stream? And Shannon, I'll start with you. Good, bad, ugly. What did you think of this concept? And what did you think of this as part of the story? I I think it's a really fascinating idea that you can have your time stream have a sort of locus point where someone could jump in and and swim around. (laughs) I think that's a brilliant Mm -hmm. idea. I absolutely love it. And I love the execution of it. That sort of mm. spiraling energy that almost looks like a Christmas tree. I don't know. There's things going on in there. <laughs> it, I thought the whole thing was brilliant. And the idea that, you know, it changed color depending on kind of whether it was in conflict or, or whether it was being healed. I, the whole thing was great. I, I love the whole time stream thing. Um I had a point, but it's gone now, so I'll just go. I, I like that. <laughs> yeah, All right, Clarence. It, 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 it makes me wonder if on um, the Disney Plus show Loki, if maybe they looked at some of this and mm-hmm. how they construct the sacred timeline, the visual of it with the branches mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, it kind of reminded me of that. Also, I love that immediately when the great intelligence jumps within the time stream, we, we get an instant the instant ramifications of what that is. I mean, Jenny dies twice in this episode, uh, which made me sad, (laughs) but, but yeah, we, we get to see the actual ramifications of what's going on. And of course we get to the Clara's realization of what she has to do, which is just heartbreaking, but also she just knows it. I mean, She's already been told she her memories were were rejiggered by, uh, when they were traveling through the TARDIS earlier, uh, which I thought was a great visual of seeing the TARDIS branch out into the planet. I thought that was awesome. Uh, but but yeah, she comes to the realization of knowing what she has to do. And I just thought seeing some of the immediate reactions of 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 um, of, of what happened when the great intelligence jumped through through the time stream just was pretty cool. 
Mm-hmm. All right, Lee, what say you? All of the above. And what, what do we suppose happened to the great intelligence? I mean... Good question. Where is he? I, I love the fact that his, his satisfaction was so short-lived. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. It's kind of all of time in history and space or whatever, but it's also like 30 seconds. But imagine right. hating someone so badly, so greatly, that <sighs> that your entire existence is erased, but you're happy knowing that it destroyed that other person. That's mm-hmm. sad. That is just sad. <laughs> It also reminded me ever so slightly, sorry for the tangent, about the character in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, whose every incarnation, every time this poor thing gets reincarnated, the doc, uh, Arthur accidentally kills him. <laughs> he gets killed by Arthur over and over and over. over, and over, and over. <laughs> Agri yes. bag or something. Total tangent, but it just made me think of that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it does. It does make you think of yeah, but um, you know, uh, Kyle, this is also the, um, the the Sherlock Holmes thing too. It, um, it, the the one and only of the original stories that actually has Professor Moriarty in it. He tells Holmes, "You you know, I'm going to destroy you." Um, and Holmes says, "You know, if I thought I could take you with me, I'd welcome it. Mm-hmm. So bring it on." And that's what happens, you know. <laughs> I, I don't think that's, it's, it's not a new idea, but you're right. That's cold. When yeah. you say, I hate you so much, I would be willing to die as long as I'm taking you with me. Yeah. yeah. But, but it's equally as heartwarming that you have someone else who has, from her perspective, because, you know, as a viewer, I think we feel like we've known Clara for a while now because this series span over yes it was 12 or 13 episodes but it spanned over the fall of one year the spring of another year that's why i keep referring to as the 2012 2013 series of doctor who so Mm -hmm. we've seen clara since the beginning of our oswin since the beginning or jenna coleman since the beginning of the series and the fall of the previous year but from this character's perspective, she's only known him, I would say, maybe a couple of months. And yet she is sacrificing herself. Yes, it's kind of preordained, predetermined, because she's knowing that she's already done it. But she chooses mm. to go in and basically be dispersed amongst his timeline. I think that in itself is pretty. Does it make her so important to the doctor's timeline yes is it something not everybody's going to like no but well well it, it makes me wonder how could she actually help of course if you want to take an example that we've seen on screen the snowman she actually participates to help defeat the intelligence in that case but are we to assume there's other adventures where the great intelligence attempted to take out the doctor but somehow Clara working with the doctor was able to defeat him. And if that's also the case, like why did we see Clara telling the doctor to get in the TARDIS that had nothing to do with defeating the intelligence? <laughs> it was just a cool little, but it nugget. starts him on his journey. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But he, that he was on already. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Uh, 
who knows? Who knows? Mm. I do like the fact that it ended the run thing. You know, we see, we hear the whole thing, the entire run, run, you clever boy, and remember me. I thought that was cool. Me. Yes. Yeah. All right. So let's get to after she goes into the um, time stream, let's get into Jenny Strax and, you know, uh, coming back and uh, Strax saying it's unprovoked attack. There was no excuse, et cetera, and so forth. Doctor is saying, you know, go to the TARDIS. It's going to take you home. And then we have the scene with River. Lee, thoughts, the scene with River. I don't come back and I might not. Doctor. Go to the TARDIS. The fast return protocol should be on. She'll take you home, then shut herself down. There has to be another way. Use the TARDIS. Use something. Save her, yes, but for God's sake, be sensible. How are you even doing that? I'm not really here. You are always here to me. And I always listen. And I can always see you. Then why didn't you speak to me? Because I thought it would hurt too much. I believe I could have coped. No. I thought it would hurt me. And I was right. Since nobody else in this room can see you, God knows how that looked. There is a time to live and a time to sleep. You are an echo, River. Like Clara, like all of us. In the end, my fault, I know. But you should have faded by now. It's hard to leave. When you haven't said goodbye. Then tell me, because I don't know. How do I say it? There's only one way I'd accept. If you ever loved me, say it like you're going to come back. See you around, Professor Riversong. Till the next time, Doctor. Don't wait up. Oh, there's one more thing. Isn't there always? I was mentally linked with Clara. If she's really dead, then how can I still be here? Okay. How? Spoilers. Goodbye. I, I wept. I wept actual genuine tears. It's it, it may be my well the the competition is so tough for, for Dr. River scenes, but this is certainly uh, up there among my very favorites. Um to, it's just perfect to me. It's perfect. Clarence, I don't think agrees. <laughs> no. Mr. Brown. Oh, I'm sorry. Before you blaspheme. <laughs> 
what say you before you best fame on this incredible episode with your person that I'm still a fan of at this point, Clara, <laughs> and I've not said anything bad about. Yeah. What say you? I guess you can call me a little Dalek because, um, oh, I guess you can call me a little Dalek because, um, you know, I thought it was a touching scene. I, I did. I did like it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not bashing the scene at all. I did like it, but some of the logic in it really kind of ticked me off. I'm like, how can he see her? How can he see her? Now you can technically say because the doctor did something to pair Claire, Claire with the TARDIS earlier, that might be a good reason. Yeah. So, okay, I buy that. But can he really touch her? I mean. But I don't think he was. I think it was his imagination. He knew she was there and he caught her as if she were there. Okay. All right. Well, I guess that works. I mean. <laughs> Their bond was so close. How about that? All right. <laughs> Shannon, help me out here. What do you say? Well, she's in a really big library, so maybe she's figured out how to make herself partly corporeal. I don't yeah, know. Well, maybe. No, yeah. that's nonsense, guys. I was kidding. Um, <laughs> maybe she used a three D. Maybe she used a three D printer. 3D to, printer. To, yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. I think it's just a very sweet romantic moment and you need to leave it at that, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it is it is and it is a lovely moment. It is a lovely moment. I mean, it's one of those that I think a lot of us probably knew was going to was gonna happen. Like you can kinda see it coming. But mm-hmm. but it 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 fulfills that promise the way it's supposed to. Yeah. And the way it is written, cool. you know, if you look at it from the River Song timeline This is made up in a way to where the first time we see River, she's in the library and she gets saved to the Mm -hmm. library. Now we're seeing River that is in the library and she fades away, meaning that tape that she was stored on, that old VCR tape or whatever, finally Mm -hmm. the just ran out, you know, it had been on the shelf so long, it's deteriorated, and she's gone. I assumed that I what? would never see Liver, River again. Mm-hmm. Okay, you you lost me on the tape running out. You really part. should have plumped for that two terabyte drive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, you know, he says, "River, you should, you should have, you know, you are an echo, River, like Clara, like all of this. I know, but you should have faded now. Well, how mm. could I, how could I fade, or whatever? If you've not said goodbye." Okay. So forth. No, I think the library is essentially forever. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, I think the fading is from this conversation. It's like, you know. But we didn't know the, that the conference call is over. But that's yeah, good. That. But we didn't know that. Mm-hmm. We didn't. Yeah. You know, at the time. It's, yeah. The the this is the one grumble I have with the story is that the timing is not very good for this because she says, "Why am I still here if I'm." in Clara's if you know it's if it's due to Clara being still alive somewhere and then she fades yeah. <laughs> and it's like did yeah. Clara just die did, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like and my first thought was oh okay did Clara just die then or yeah it, it seems more like it was the dramatic exit that is under River Song's control <laughs> yeah. and of yeah. course she's going to make the fun dramatic exit but still it, it was an unfortunate bit of timing for the yeah. for the dialogue <laughs> yeah. but I like what you said earlier Shannon which was, it's a beautiful saying, just leave it at that, guys. <laughs> what I do love about it, I'll just add real quick, is that it leaves the door open for her to come back at some point. 
in the future. I, I, I want to see that. Let's let's make that happen. Yeah. She's still in the library. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And we know that there are rivers, or not, our river is out there on Big Finish having adventures with different incarnations with the Doctor. And I think there is also a an adventure with Missy and River, which I just think it would be awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So That's a pairing. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> so we've talked about him briefly, but I want to, like, before we get to our favorite scene and quote, what did you guys think of seeing John Hurt revealed as an incarnation of the Doctor when you saw it? And actually, Clarence, I want to start with you because it probably did not have the weight when you were watching it the first time that it might have now, since you're more familiar with classic and you know who in general, what was your thoughts seeing it then and now? Well, I think then I was, I was familiar with the numbering system this far in. So (laughs) I I almost remember coming into your office and asking you like, what the heck is going on, dude? <laughs> Indeed. So, so yeah, I, I was very shocked, and I was anxious to see more of the story after that. So I thought it was awesome. Shannon, yeah, I, yay, John Hurt, right? Uh, it <laughs> took me a little bit out of the story to see the credits pop up by his head. <laughs> like, whoa, that's very fourth wall. So that was a little confusing, but yeah, it was. It's always you know he just has such gravitas, especially as an older actor and it's just it it's you know you can't not look at john hurt when he appears on the screen so lee i the way i remembered is that it had already been spoiled for Mm. me somehow so i knew it was coming Uh but i but i I do i did think of watching it again today it did strike me again as interesting that the conversation we just had is about the fact that he's not the doctor Mm -hmm. right and the text on screen says that he is. It's it's like changing the, the titles of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier in the last credit to saying Captain America. And the Winter Soldier. Bucky is not the Winter Soldier. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Can I ask a question if we're, if we're done with this before we move on? Sure. <laughs> so my question is, what makes his grave so dangerous? Is it that he knows that there's the potential for someone to jump into his timeline and mess things up for the universe? Or... He says that makes my grave the most dangerous place in the universe. Like, why <laughs> is someone hanging yeah. out there? Like, I I didn't understand that exactly. I, I think it was because he said he had traveled more than any other Gallifreyan. So his death spiral, whatever you call it, the tracks <laughs> yeah. hit, hit so many points yeah. than uh, any other person because he's time traveled so much. So he okay, could basically so- go anywhere almost. Right. So anybody could jump into his timeline and make a lot of trouble because there's just so many places to go within within that. That's how I read it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that that works. That makes sense for me. His his Vandergraaf ball. (laughs) See, I went a different route with it. I thought it was very, very dangerous for him, meaning if he went there, you're just. It's sort of like he says, that's one place you should never visit. Well, if you visit, you're just kind of pre determining history maybe right uh, and also he he was only recently told about transalor right how do you know not to, to go, go there, there if you don't know that's where your grave is that's a good point yeah. well and it, so now it's just hitting me that um, he 
the only way into that console room that has the the the, the matrix in it is by saying his name, mm-hmm. right? Magic word. So River opens <laughs> the door for them. But she, but she knows his name. Why? She's, she, she knows, oh, she do kn- we know why she did it? Right. So Clara can go in, I'm assuming. Does she know that Clara's the But she also girl? let the great intelligence in. River. But also she wasn't there. <laughs> That's true. But she <laughs> was. So the library let them in. Mm-hmm. Okay, there are things that don't work. <laughs> that that's why they are wibbly wobbly, timey wimey things that don't <laughs> work. Right. But it was River Song in an episode, and Clara was in an episode. So I'm happy, you're happy, right. and uh, Shannon's and on our John episode, so we're all happy. And, and <laughs> Lee right. has John Hurt. So yeah, 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 we're all happy. Woohoo! Man. So as 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 my hero Joel Hodgson has taught us to say, <laughs> repeat to yourself, it's just a show, and I should really just relax. <laughs> but it's fun. I I you know I, I get it. But it's also fun to kind of try and figure out how the writer's mind, if they came up, knowing how many holes I have in my own show and how I have to come up with some really <laughs> large stretches to cover those holes. Yeah. Like, I'd love to sort of investigate what could the writer have intended as the the thinking process behind that. Like, if we say, you know, I, I can never go to New Jersey. Well, can you go to New York and drive in? Like, you know, those kinds yeah. of questions that we, that have come up, I think, are, are really fun to just sort of play with as an intellectual exercise. Exactly. To is an, a, It's just another way to enjoy the show and try and think, well, what was the writer maybe intending? What was the thought process that went behind this? So Exactly. And and someone forgot to tell the writer that the doctor has infinite regenerations. I mean, yes, yes. <laughs> which we will get to in oh, it's Paul. the time. No, yeah. no, 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 that hasn't happened. No, no. Uh, but yeah, I, I totally agree. So, favorite scene, and Lee, I want to start with you. Favorite scene, uh, that scene with the doctor and River. No question about it. All right. Yeah. Clarence, favorite scene. I love. I love. When Not they, the same one. <laughs> I, I love when they were strolling through the catacombs. I mean, it was it was reminiscent of Journey to the Center of the TARDIS, and mm-hmm. I I love the slight callback there, and just seeing the gigantic TARDIS and how it's kind of taking over this planet. I thought that was really cool. Okay, Shannon, favorite scene. Hi. I love the tea party. I think it's very <laughs> reminiscent of Alice in Wonderland. There's like uh-huh. these five crazy people sitting around a table discussing impossible exactly. things over tea. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. The one with the big space helmet. Oh, wait, that's hair strikes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, I just love this entire episode itself. I think my favorite scene, even though I love the John Hurt scene for its impact, would have to be the river scene. I mean, that's what I watched over and over and over and over. So, yeah, it has to be that. So, favorite quote. Clarence, favorite quote. It's going to be Clara's last lines before she jumped in. I don't know if I want to recite them here, but... Well, how about that? I'm Souffle Girl after all. If this works, get out of here, get out of here as fast as you as you can, and spare me a thought every now and then. In fact, you know what? Run, run, you clever boy, and remember me. If you didn't want to recite him, I would have. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Shannon, what say you? I love what the doctor says. What did you expect? A body? Bodies are boring. I've had loads of them. <laughs> <laughs> yep, indeed, loads of them. Lee. 
You know how I love Strax, so I love that he's off. It's his week off, so he's he's in Scotland with somebody, and they're bashing each other with shovels. And so when he gets his uh, telegram, he says, "What is it, girl? Can't you see I'm trying to crush the brains of this stinking primitive?" Sorry about this. <laughs> I'm curious to know what Shannon thought was because she said in a message earlier that she thought she knew what my favorite quote would be. So I'm curious to see if this is what she thought, which is goodbye, sweetie. That is my Mm. first favorite scene. My second, I mean, my second favorite quote is John Hurt saying what I did, I did without, you know, blah, blah. So what did you think it was? I thought it was when the, her tea turned to champagne, and she oh. said, "How did you do that?" Disgracefully. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so good. Speaking of disgracefully, I shall ask you then, uh, well, gracefully, uh, to say <laughs> final rating, Shannon. Final rating. What say you? Uh, five, five locuses of time stream. <laughs> craziness yeah. <laughs> out of five <laughs> all right lee shackleford i'm gonna give it five nightmarishly colossal tardises okay <laughs> clarence five impossible girls falling through a time stream out of five i'm going to give a partridge in a pear tree <laughs> five goodbye sweeties out of five, because that is the only time that we've ever heard goodbye, sweetie. Oh, it's true. You know, it's always hello, yes, sweetie. Yeah. This is the mm-hmm. only goodbye, sweetie, we've ever had. So mm-hmm. five goodbye, <laughs> sweeties out of five. <laughs> All right. Clarence Brown, where else might you be found on the Internet? I would say just check us out on Facebook at dis- uh, Facebook.com slash groups slash Discussing Network. Lee Shackelford, I think you wrote a podcast sometime in the past, sometime in the future, sometime in the, I don't know, but it's relative to me and it's relative to all of us here. So what would that podcast be for someone who's listening to us for the first time? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, Check out the Relativity Podcast. You find it at RelativityPodcast.com. Awesome. Say no more. The multi-award winning. Yes, indeed. Thank you. And if you check that out and you like hearing Lee Shackelford's voice on Mm. relativity, you might also want to listen to Lee Shackelford on another podcast written and produced by Shannon Perry. (laughs) Shannon, what am I talking about? I have no idea. Well, it's not my fault. (laughs) Not my fault. Yes, he is a wonderful demigod in a gold jumpsuit on Oz Nine, <laughs> and, and he's also amuses me no end. <laughs> exactly. Late, latest fashion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, now you've all four been on my show, so yeah. oh yeah, Yay. that's right, yeah, all four, that all is, four of us, I guess, and so Only three of you. <laughs> so, where could Oz Nine be found? What is the website? Oz Nine dot com. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. So, Lee, if someone were listening for the first time or if they have been listening forever to us and they are still listening to us, so thank you very much. What would you, <laughs> how would you like to thank the people that have been listening? I always like to say, folks, you, you didn't have to do this. 
and we're so grateful that you did. You could have been doing anything with the last hour and a half <laughs> that we spent talking about this 44-minute episode. But thank you. Thank you for joining us. Indeed. And thank you again, everyone, for joining us. We hope you have enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought about this episode. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, we will be back next time. You've been listening to The Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com.